You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. As the show starts off, I just want to very quickly address all this hubbub about the White Sox and the possible brand new stadium, the 78, and and the the way that people are reacting to it, I think, is kind of silly. Let's just remember, this is an owner that has held up the city of Chicago before as a hostage while he got Tampa Bay to make a stadium for him that he never actually moved into just so he could get taxpayer dollars to pay for his stadium that he currently has. And I haven't heard how he's going to pay for the 78 yet, so it's just a pipe dream. And artist renderings, it never looks like the artist rendering when it's all said and done. So don't worry about the parking, and guess what? It's probably not going to look like it does in the artist renderings. That's just a guy who's really creative who said, if we built it, it could look like this. Then an architect looks at it and goes, ah, you really can't build that. That's going to be expensive or it could fall on somebody. That's how artist renderings work. And then when I'm speaking of artist renderings, Ed, let's think about the artist renderings for Arlington Heights for the Bears and how everybody was excited about that. And now it doesn't seem like that's happening at all. So we are a long way away from the possibility of any kind of new stadium. And we have a Jerry Reinsdorf who could throw a few curveballs between now and then. And I don't even know what his real endgame is. He's a billionaire who has time on his hands and nothing else to do right now. I'm not going to worry about the 78 and where the White Sox could or could not be moving in four to five to six to seven years, okay? Uh, Right now, the only place I'm worried about is right over there at 35th and Shields and getting over to Cork and Carey at the park pregame and postgame, maybe even in-game in the shadow of the ballpark at 33rd and Princeton. Remember, get over there now. Get yourself a Kona on draft for $5. There is no purchase necessary as well if you want to get yourself registered to win a trip to Hawaii. It sounds like I'll be doing the drawing with some of the uh, folks over at Cork and Carey on the 15th of March and you can register over at Cork and Carry at the park or at the original location at 106th and Western. And also stop in at Cork and Carry at the park right now and get the award-winning burgers two for one on Tuesdays. Just ask Gino up at the bar. See more at CorkandCarry.com. So I don't want I don't want to talk about the possible stadium. What matters to me today is the non-roster invitees, uh, the guys from the system that aren't on the 40-man that were invited to spring training, the current roster as it is now, which by the way is about 30 to $45 million cheaper than last year's roster, depending on if you're looking at adjusted payroll or the, you know, the raw numbers. But the point is they haven't spent as much money this year as they did last year. And, and if you are looking to be competitive in 25, and if you do want fans to believe that going to the ballpark this year, you're going to put on some sort of a show. Right. Because I like I don't care if nobody believes you can win your division in a, in a terrible division. You should at least be making an effort. The money should be there. You're expecting people to pay to go see the game. You still have your TV deal. I think they still need to add 
another starting pitcher. I think you walk in there with Dylan Cease and Eric Fetty, who Scott White was really high on last uh, last episode here uh, from CBS uh, Fantasy Sports, and, and you add Mike Soroka in there and the guy that I think they should go out, whoever that is, and add in there to go be a professional, regular, every fifth day starter. You take those four guys, and then you take Flexen and the rest of them, the, the crowd, the, the clubhouse, the gallery, and you say, let's see who's the five starter, who's the six starter, who's starting off a triple A, and you play good defense and you maybe catch a spark. I'd like to see what that looks like in the first couple of months. I would like to see them still add a guy. I still think they will. If I had to make a bold prediction, I do believe still there's one more signing coming. There's just too much room in the payroll and there's too much talk about what they want to be. And there's so many free agents that are out there. I can't imagine there isn't at least a contract or two sitting out there right now waiting to see if that player picks the socks over somebody else with a similar contract. You're right. I mean, they, they did spend less money, but think about the money that they spent in the past and how Rick Hahn really spent bad dollars, right? Yasmani Grandal was, was maybe okay, but Dallas Keuchel, that was bad money. Okay, Liam Hendricks was good money until it was bad because he got injured there's bad money that was in Joe Kelly. There was bad money to a certain degree in Kendall Graveman. There was bad money all over that park. I mean, I'm not even going to bring the guy up. You know who I'm, you know, you know who I'm talking about without me even saying his name, who earned a contract for one home run. The question becomes, you know, it, it, who amongst these free agents is looking to lock down. Okay. And be part of something for a few years where, they are going to want to come here and build, right? And be, like you said, that that every fifth day starter, uh, be that guy that's part of the rotation for a few years. And possibly quick build, too. Remember that. Possibly quick turnaround. There, where You're not asking him to show up and be on the Pirates for the next five years. No, 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 no. That's what I mean. Like, this is not... And, and, and God, I, I still bristle. Everyone's like, oh, they're rebuilding. They're rebuilding. They're really not rebuilding. They're not rebuilding. Because... If you rebuild, okay, first of all, if you rebuild, then what you do is you don't put Nicky Lopez and Paul DeYoung on your field, okay? You don't bother doing anything in terms of free agent signings. There's no Chris Flexens of the world, okay? No, and you don't, you, don't even, you don't even add Kevin Pillar because you want the young guys to play. And you certainly don't pay for Martin Maldonado and Max Stassi. You no. certainly don't. No, you, you, what you are doing here, what Chris Getz is doing is he's trying to turn the team around in terms of give me some baseline, not great stars, but some baseline professional players so that I can challenge the young guys to come up and be better. Okay. And also this was not a great free agent year. I don't, you know, it's one of those where coming into it, I mean, Shohei Otani was never coming here. Okay. And you're not going to sign Blake Snell. Hell, nobody wants to sign Blake Snell at the price he's asking. Nobody wants to sign Cody Bellinger at the price he's asking for. But you can't tell me that Kevin Kiermeyer really does anything to move the needle on this team. You can't tell me that Harrison Bader's worth money. You can't tell me that Aaron Hicks at this point is worth money. I'm looking at outfielders, okay? It's just, it's not a great year for somebody to come in and say, this is a guy I want to put on my field for a long period of time. There's a few of those dudes, but most of them are either really high-end guys that are not really looking to come into something where it's going to even take a year to build, right? Shoei Otani wanted to go to the Dodgers because Shoei Otani wants to go to the World Series now before his arm completely falls off and he can't even swing a bat. But, you know, could you have sat there and said, all right, well, you know, I'm looking at guys that signed for multi, you know, multi-year deals and there, there really aren't any either. It's all one-year, two-year guys, okay? So 
you're going to have options in the next offseason as well. But I'm looking at starting pitching right now. I mean, I, I see some one-year deals, Ed. I do. I mean, I see. I would have no problem with bolstering your your rotation for one year again with Zach Reinke or even Rich Hill. I mean, why don't we bring in Big Dick Mountain for for one year? Just just to kind of like just right. to contribute and be somebody that 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 can that can eat some innings. Find somebody else. I think one more arm should be in there. I think that they, oh, yeah. I think what they're doing with their rotation is very different from what their their philosophy seems to be with team defense and you know, you got to earn a spot out and Oscar Colas doesn't have anything that he's guaranteed. And I that's the thing that I'm waiting to see happen. If it doesn't, I'm not going to be like pitchforks and torches over it, but it's the reason why I I still think that there's one more deal that is to be made. Let's talk about the guys that have a shot at making the team, because I think it's very interesting that Danny Mendick walks back in the door as a non-roster invitee. Uh, Along with Kevin Pillar, the two of them probably have the inside track to make this team in a reserve role. And let's be honest, if we get the Danny Mendick that we got in his year 28 season, his last time with the White Sox before he suffered the injury, where he's hitting for a high average and playing a great defense, Nicky Lopez should be worried. I'll be honest with you right now. Nicky Lopez should be worried. He better have, he better be on his A game and ready to claim second base with Danny Mendek standing there because Chris Getz thinks so highly of him. Think of all the names that are out there, free agents that haven't found a home yet, players floating around that could have been NRIs, non-roster invitees that used to be on the White Sox while Getz was there. And Getz goes, I want some Danny Mendick back in my life. A guy who I never understood why they they let go. A guy who I remember when when he left, I said he should never come back to the White Sox again because Rick Hahn did him wrong. And he had earned the opportunity. I thought he should have been a guy last year competing for the starting role at second base. And the team didn't even give him, a, give him an opportunity to do that. But Chris Getz clearly likes him enough that he wants him in camp. And I'm telling you, I'd be shocked if he doesn't make the 26-man roster and he could compete for that starting job. Yeah, well, and that's one of those things where, you know, in the grand scheme of is this White Sox team going to compete, and certainly Pakoda and all the projections say that they're going to be terrible. But I you look at Danny Mendick and I sit there and go, okay, as, as placeholders go, as guys that have a chance to claim a job and have sort of a late career run where they have a couple of good years, Mendick is absolutely a candidate to do that, and as much as Nicky Lopez or Paul DeYoung is a candidate to do that as well. No, I hear you. And Sox and Basement listeners, if you're looking for exterior windows, doors, patio doors, and or storm doors, we got a taste of spring here at the back end of the week, even though now it's going to get cold for a while again. You may be thinking to yourself, I want to have a fresh, brand new window that I can open and close easily instead of this old thing that came with the house that's all messed up and barely works and feels like it's falling in. Do something nice for yourself, for your home. You'll thank yourself later. Get out to Window and Door Superstore of Oak Forest where the owner is in showroom, also on site. They use their own installers. They don't farm out the work. They've been doing it that way in Oak Forest since 1985. No pictures in a book. Go in and see everything full-sized with all major brands, custom-made, and no stock items for a perfect fit. They're a half block east of 159th and Ridgeland at 6280 159th Street, See more at windowdooroakforest.com. But again, it also creates a situation where you've got more competition. Would you rather see Danny Mendick come up and play, or would you rather watch Lenin Sosa struggle, if that's what it comes down to? And I'm not saying if Lenin Sosa comes in and hits and plays really good defense, or Brian Ramos comes in and hits and plays really good defense and takes over second base. I'm not saying if, if they earn it, if they beat these guys out. 
But if you're going to watch a guy flail, a young guy flail, would you rather have him work on it down in AAA, work on it down in AA, and have Danny Mendick play some decent baseball this year, or would you rather watch the young guys flail? Because if it's a full-on rebuild, okay, and you believe in these prospects and you believe that these guys are not flawed in some way and you want them there, then Danny Mendick doesn't get a non-roster invite because Nicky Lopez is already in place. Okay, right, and you want the younger guys to have an opportunity. You have so many infielders that are on your 40-man roster already. Why do you need him there? Unless you would consider the possibility of breaking camp with him and then somebody else is off the 40. And I think it, it speaks to Getz not liking his team. He said that. He doesn't like his team. And it's not that he just doesn't like the guys who are the, the the everyday starters. Not that he doesn't like the makeup of the team that goes out there and tries to play all 162. He doesn't like the team from top to bottom. He's not a fan of some of the guys that Rick Hahn was a fan with. Remember, Ben Zobris 2.0, Romy Gonzalez, DFA'd and on another team because he was not in the plans of Chris Getz. That, that's the thing. You see guys like Danny Mendick show up. And you have to think to yourself, like, he's still trying to basically not only have competition, but, you know, best guy best guy is going to get on that roster. That was always the problem with this team. The amount of times we sit there and say, why are we holding on to this guy? Because we can't admit that he didn't work out. Rick Hahn could never admit, Kenny Williams could never admit when a guy didn't work out. Chris Getz has the, he's very fortunate that he can say, I didn't put this guy on the 40-man roster. I might have been here, but I... I didn't agree with that. These are not his guys. So he can sit there and just be cutthroat, which every GM, any good GM needs to be cutthroat. How many times have I said that? You need to be heartless. You, you, you know, you want to be nice to a guy. That's great. But you really shouldn't care about if he bought a new house. Does he have a new uh, you know, condo payment? Does he have a kid on the way? No, no, no. How does he hit? Does he field the ball well? Is he improving? And is he worth being on your team? And is he worth paying money to? And if he's not, then get him out of here. And, and that's how a GM should operate if he wants to go and win. And I see Chris Getz doing that. And I look at the guys that he's asked to come to spring training that are, are already part of the White Sox organization, but are not on the 40-man because they don't need to be on it yet. And I see a guy like Nick Nestrini, and I go, there's a guy who might find a way to steal a job. I see a guy like Kai Bush, and I wonder, could he get in there and have a big spring and make them have to think? And then I also see guys like Edgar Caro and Colson Montgomery where it's like they just want to see what they have. But there's a bunch of names. I want to say there's 14 guys from inside the organization that are not part of the 40-man and 11 non-roster invitees showing up along with the 40-man roster to go and compete in, in Major League Spring Training. And everybody has competition. We talked about it last week. Gavin Sheets better not think he's automatically on the 26-man roster. Because think about it. If you start saying, well, we got versatility and speed and defense, but we're going to have to give up the big left-handed bat that comes off the bench, that's something that could be expendable. You know? So I, I really am looking forward to pitchers and catchers showing up on the 14th here of February and getting into the competition and seeing who rises to the top. I don't have a horse in the race. I think that's the fun thing about this spring training. I'm not worried about one guy beating another guy. What I want, and this is all I want to see, is I want to see a team give equal opportunity for these guys to excel in spring and then to realistically evaluate, is this real if he's playing well, okay? And are we willing to go with the unexpected player who has shown us something over the guy that we we had hyped? 
or the guy that should be in there, right? I think this is going to be a very different spring training. I don't think anybody's got anything guaranteed to them at all. And I think you're going to show up and you're going to have to earn your way on the 26-man roster. You're going to have to earn your way on the 40-man roster. You're going to have to earn your way into the starting lineup. And that's the kind of baseball I want to see. And if you get that kind of baseball, I don't care what Pakota says, they're not a 100-loss team. If you have a team that's hungry and you have professionals that are trying to play baseball, yeah, sure, they're probably not winning the division, but they're not a 100-loss team, okay? Because they have motivation and they showed you in spring they were ball players ready to play ball. And there were too many guys on this team over the last few years who were not ready to play ball, who were not really ball players. They were just people that had a set of skills that got thrown into the mix and were told, well, look at this guy's skill set. He should be good. But was he really a ball player? And that's the only thing I'm looking for in spring. Are we looking for ball players and rewarding those that are hustling and playing the game right? And showing us something. And are we are we letting somebody that proves themselves beat out somebody who was in the original plans who didn't come in with that attitude? Because this is, again, if this is not a year you're competitive, okay? I'm not trying to be Hawk Harrelson with the TWTW, right? I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to be a meatball here. But I do want guys that, that want to be here and want to give everything out there. And that should be rewarded in spring training for the White Sox. Well, and this is one of those things, too, where it's like, well, what does it take to be competitive, okay? Because you have the Rick Hahn, Kenny Williams version of it, which is a superstar at every position, okay? It's got to be a guy that has some sort of all-star pedigree. And and I agree, most teams will look at it and sit there and say, we're trying to develop players so that we think that we have star power and not just replacement level at every position, but you also have to have some of that, okay? You you have to have some pluggers. You got to have some guys that are going to go out there and just be ball players. And you can't necessarily afford to have superstars at absolutely every position. Even the Dodgers don't have superstars at every position, okay? They run through pitchers an awful lot in the Dodgers organization. They run through prospects. They'll hold on to a few guys here and there, but think about their outfield. Can you tell me that their starting outfield in this entire run that the Dodgers have been on for, for about the past decade has been all superstar players? And has, Can you even name their starting outfielders right now if you're just a casual fan? I bet you can't because they're not superstars. But that's sort of the the mentality that I think White Sox fans have come to expect is, is that every single guy that we put on the field has got to be somebody that's really, really great. And... You know, I think back to the 2005 team, and I think about the fact that, really, honestly, if you look objectively at Joe Creedy's numbers, he wasn't—I mean, he wasn't necessarily a superstar. We love Joe Creedy because defensively he was amazing, and he always seemed that he had that clutch gene, right? He was a ball player. He had that—that that he knew when to come up big. Nobody knew going in what Tadahito Aguchi was going to bring to the plate, but that's okay. But I was thinking about guys like Carl Everett. Okay, you can't tell me that you got superstar production out of Carl Everett and won a World Series with him. He no, didn't. he was he was crazy. He was vocal. He thought that dinosaurs were were not real and their bones were placed here on earth by demons trying to throw us off. But he was a ball player. That's why you love him. Right? Like I will take you if you're crazy, if you're going out there and playing ball. You know? If you're motivated to go out and win, if on a Tuesday in the middle of the summer when you may not be in it or the standings are not in your favor or you've had a couple of bad days, you walk out there, take a big breath of air and say, I'm going out to play baseball today and I can't wait.
Socks in the Basement listeners, when you combine State Farm home and auto insurance, you save an average of $889. State Farm agent John Harrell is ready to help you combine home and auto and save in Chicagoland. Call him today at 708-481-4500. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Average annual per household savings based upon a 2019 national survey by State Farm of new policyholders who reported saving by switching to State Farm. And as I was saying, that's what you really need to identify. Like, you can only take talent and metrics and all that so far. You have to have guys that want to go and play. This team is filled with guys like that, guys who are on the the either the precipice of getting their careers on track or the end of their career. There's so, so much motivation individually with so many players on this team. And that's why when you look at the 40-man, like I've been looking at the, at the fan graphs projected 26 and, and the current 40-man roster. And I see, like right now in their rotation, Cease, Fetty, Kopech, Soroka, Flexen. All right, fine. That's the odds-on favorites for the rotation. If things are going well in spring training and they're evaluating players right, that will not be the starting five because somebody else will force their way in and they will reward it. The benches, Max Stassi, Gavin Sheets, Danny Mendick, and Kevin Pillar. That's the projection right now from fan graphs. But if somebody forces their way in, maybe that changes. Maybe the starting lineup that's projected changes. Maybe a guy who's on the 40 finally gets dumped off and somebody else makes their way back onto it. Maybe somebody surprises. That's what I want to see in my spring training. I look at this, this bullpen folks. This is not a bad bullpen. Like that's the thing. Like, like everybody's like pining for Liam Hendricks right now. Like, Oh, you should sign him let him rehab all year and then bring him back. And you know, that's great. But I don't worry about closers when my team's not competing because you'll find a closer when the time comes. But I, I look at this, this, this projected bullpen and John Brebbia is a, a good pitcher and supposedly a very good clubhouse guy. Okay. Jimmy Lambert has had some really good stretches coming out of the pen. Tim Hill is a very capable left-handed guy. Tuki Toussaint is, is actually more of a bullpen swing guy than a starter. If he ends up there instead of as a starter, that's an improvement in your bullpen. They have guys that, and, and you know what? There might be a guy right now, who's going to compete for that rotation, who's going to slide into that bullpen as well and make it good. And that's what I want to see this team do. The, the thing that frustrated me most about the White Sox in all of the tenure of Kenny Williams and Rick Hahn, but really over the last five, six years, has been the idea of they, they treat their players like, like bad coaches in Little League baseball. Guys who look at a seven-year-old or an eight-year-old or a nine-year-old and say, you're a catcher. You're a shortstop. You're an outfielder. That's all you are, even at that young age. And when the kid goes out and performs in a different way or shows a different skill set or says, I think I can be something else, they're already pigeonholed into what they're going to be at that very young age earlier in their development. If you've had kids, if you've if you've participated in youth sports, you know what I'm talking about. The White Sox, very similarly, are like, you're a first-round draft pick. You have expectations. We're going to hang with you longer. You're a a low-end draft pick or somebody that wasn't part of the plan. We're not going to give you as good of a chance. And where has that gotten them? Where has that gotten them? Where has it gotten the guys who looked at it that way? They're not employed anymore. Okay, so that's what I, you know, everything I've seen from Chris Getz up to this point has been different. It's different how he evaluates players. It's different how he's built his team. It's different how he went out and changed the inner workings of some of the people that are doing talent evaluation and development and things like that. I expect more differences to continue, right? I'm hoping that's different too. 
because that has been one of the biggest hangups with the White Sox. The idea that, I mean, I'll go back to it. Last year this time, everybody kept saying Aloy should be a DH. He, he gets himself hurt. He's not the greatest defender in the world, and we like him to just DH. And Aloy's going, but I'm not a DH. And they caved to him. They're sitting there, like, apologizing to him in the press. Oh, no, we're, we're going to play him more. We're going to do this. No, 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 no. Stop that. I, I don't care what their expectation is. I don't care what their draft position is. I don't care what they're making. The best players play in a position that makes the most sense to help the team and win the most ball games. If you're not doing that, you can talk about culture all you want to, but it's just hot air. You want to change the culture, that's what I expect, not only in spring training, but throughout the rest of the season. Up until this point, the idea that he wouldn't give Oscar Colas a job right off the bat, the, the fact that guys are all competing, the way that he brought in new players, the way he really changed pretty much all the middle infielders on his 40-man roster, he, he, he just cleaned house in a lot of different areas and brought in different personnel. Suggests to me that it is going to be the right way. But that, that's what I'm watching for here this spring. I want to see that. I, you know, if I'm not going to be concerned about are we going to the World Series this year, that's what I want to see for my team. That will get me out to the ballpark. You want me in the seats? You want me spending money? Make me enjoy watching the team. Take away me being upset because I'm sitting there going, why is this bum still playing when so-and-so should be out there? Take take that out of the equation. I'll enjoy the games a lot more. You'll see me there more often. Well, and yeah, I got to be honest with your with your little league coach thing. I, that's not where I thought you were going because I always felt like Rick Hahn and Kenny Williams treated certain players like that's my child. So therefore, my child is going to play shortstop. My oh, child yeah. is going to be a starting pitcher. My child is going to be in the premium position. He's going to hit third. And, you know, it, it, and, and you force feed this person in because you have particular feelings about them. Tim Anderson would have been a better second baseman last year with Elvis Andrus at shortstop. You would have improved your defense. Oh, 100%. Okay, and you would have taken pressure off a guy who was struggling and you should have moved him down the lineup and you didn't do it. That kind of stuff can't happen anymore. Well, and, and here's the other thing, too, is is there's a certain amount of heartlessness that has to be, you know, you hear players say it all the time. Well, it's a business. Okay. Yeah, it is. And there's got to be a certain amount of heartlessness in business because, you cannot get attached. If you're the general manager, you cannot get attached to certain players. You can be always hitched with them because they are somebody that your your expectations and your success rises and falls on, but you can't have a personal attachment to these guys. What I really like about the heartlessness of Chris Getz in this is, is the idea that there really isn't anybody that is safe. I don't have favorites is kind of what I think Chris Getz has sort of said about this team. I don't like the team in general. I don't really have favorites. I'm going to create competition. You're going to have to earn it. Okay. And we've said that over and over again, but also, you know, just the idea of sitting there saying, you know, I would trade. I mean, you're right. Aloy Jimenez last year, they're apologizing that they're not making him the everyday left fielder because they signed Andrew Benintendi. Now, He's sitting there going, well, I'd love to trade him, but nobody wants him. Right. And that's what you're hearing in the press about Aloy Jimenez. I'm sorry, he's just he's just not a guy that has a market right now. Aloy Jimenez would not be on this team if there was a market for Aloy Jimenez. Let's close this episode out with our good friend, the Sox nerd, Dave Marin, who is going to be going to spring training himself, I would imagine, very soon. Pitchers and catchers on the 14th. 
and I'm sure they got to be ready to go when the stadium opens up and the season gets kicked off. He's going to have all kinds of new tidbits and uh, trivia and things for you to know about while you're at the rate, but he's with us each and every week, brought to you by the Village of Lamont. Want to experience a downtown with real history, great eats and drinks, and green spaces filled with adventure? Visit the Village of Lamont. Shop, dine, drink, explore. Lamont is for lovers. If you're looking for plans for Valentine's Day, check out everything they have going on at LamontDowntown.com. Nerd, what's going on? Chris, there I was getting ready for the season, thinking Gregory Santos was going to be the White Sox closer in 2024, and then February 3rd happened. That was the day the Sox sold Santos to Seattle for right-handed pitcher Prelander Baroa, outfielder Zach Deloach, and the 69th pick in the 2024 draft. The trade left the Sox with no clear-cut closer, prompting GM Chris Getz to say time will tell who will step into that role. This marks the second consecutive season the Sox have headed into spring training with the closer's job up for grabs. Last spring, if you recall, the Sox were waiting on Liam Hendricks, who was in the midst of a courageous comeback from cancer, and eventually settled on Ronaldo Lopez, and then shifted to Kendall Graveman, and then to Santos, and then to Brian Shaw as a stopper. None of those pitchers are with the Sox this season, and to paraphrase Rick Pitino, Roberto Hernandez ain't walking through that door, so the search is on for a closer. Two names that have come up are Michael Kopech and Garrett Crochet. Kopech has no saves as a pro, but was an effective member of the bullpen that helped the Sox win the Central in 2021. Some of his numbers indicate that he might be a good closer. When he was a full-time reliever, Kopech held foes to a 225, 295, and 397 slash line while averaging 13 strikeouts per nine innings. And let's face it, there were some games that season where he passed the eye test as a reliever. For example, on July 11, 2021, Kopech fanned the side on 13 pitches and picking up a hole. There were times in his rookie season of 2020 where Crochet passed the eye test in a big way too. Like Kopech, Crochet had a full season of work out of the bullpen in 2021 with some promising numbers. His slash line was 213, 308, and 289, while averaging 10.8 strikeouts per nine innings. Crochet has no pro saves, but he did save four games in his first two seasons at the University of Tennessee. There is something there for both pitchers when it comes to closing, but both are on the men and looking to recapture the form that made them so promising and fun to watch in 2021. Their exploits should be the most watched of spring training. Baroa is someone to keep an eye on, too. While he has barely pitched above double-A, he did save six games in the minors last season while averaging 14 strikeouts per nine innings. My zinger, speaking of Kopech, on March 11, 2014, Kopech took a tough luck loss as his Mount Pleasant High School team fell to White House 2-1 to in a game that was crawling with pro scouts. Kopech gave up two hits, 200 runs, and struck out 12, but he took the loss because his team was no hit by a pitcher who struck out 16. That pitcher's name? How about Patrick Mahomes? Ever heard of him? That's it, Chris. More than you probably wanted to know about Kopech, Crochet, Baroa, and the GOAT, Mahomes. That's the nerd as we close out the show. Uh, you kept all your Danny Mendick stuff, right, in case he makes oh, the yeah. team? Oh, oh, you know it. You know it. <laughs> I want to hear the stat on how many buttons he's unbuttoned in a game at the plate. I would imagine it's four, maybe five. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found. And always on SocksInTheBasement.com.